Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. We live in an age of rapid technological advancements, where innovation is driving everything from the way we work to the way we communicate, travel, and even think. With each passing day, new breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. In this podcast, we'll delve into the latest trends and topics in the tech industry, examining how emerging technologies are shaping the future of society. From artificial intelligence and robotics to the Internet of Things and quantum computing, we'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations. Along the way, we'll hear from experts, thought leaders, and innovators in the field as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. And I'm your host, Christian Hammer. So in the first podcast, I said that I would try to take all the news of the day as it relates to AI and put it into this podcast in a digestible, quick and easy form. And I'm going to try to fulfill that promise today. But wow, is there a lot going on. And going forward, I'm actually gonna build a little tool that I'll give out uh, that does just that, that allows you to aggregate the news as you want uh, into a format that you desire and present it to you. Uh, Don't know when I'll have that done, but I began working on it yesterday just to help myself. But the big headline I think of the day is that uh, Jeffrey Hinton, who is often called the godfather of AI, uh, confirmed Monday that he left his role at Google and him warning about the dangers of AI. And his principal point, I think, um, and it's a very salient one, is that AI is now at the point where it's effectively as intelligent as humans. It, It might not be quite there, but it's close. And his concern is that when it becomes more intelligent, we don't know what it'll do. Uh, I'll take his word for it. I, I'm not an expert in that particular space. I can't. I can't talk to it. But what I will say is, uh, counter to that a little bit, is there are plenty of people in this world that are far more intelligent than you and I, and there are also a lot of people that are far less intelligent. And just because there are more intelligent people doesn't mean that the less intelligent people have died off, or that they aren't able to survive. In fact, there's like a weird relationship between the lower IQ and higher income earning to a point. I mean, there's a it's a gradient, uh, but there is a sweet spot and being too smart can actually be problematic. Doesn't mean that a, a too smart AI is going to be um, incapable of taking over the world if so inclined. Not my point. I'm just saying that just because something's more intelligent doesn't mean that it's necessarily dangerous to all of us. So uh, that's my only counterpoint. Again, Jeffrey's a much smarter person than I am. Sorry, uh, Jeffrey Hinton's a much smarter person than I am. And uh, I'll take his word for it. There's a lot going on when it comes to uh, privacy and consent. There's a lot of interest in that topic right now and some really good news that came out. So uh, ChatGPT has said that they're going to uh, create an incognito mode for ChatGPT, which will allow you to keep your um, chat data from being used to train models going forward. So it's your data, your use, and they won't necessarily use it. Uh, This is a win. Uh, I think GDPR was a major reason for that. And yay. Uh, and on, the, on a similar front, Stable Diffusion is working with, well, I don't know if they're working with, has been asked by Shutterstock and some of the large 
image uh, repositories online, you know, commercial use image repositories online to remove uh, about 50 million images from the training data set that they didn't give consent to use. I'm, uh, this one's close to my heart. It's really related to what we're trying to do with Vala also. And so I applaud them for making the ask. I think that it's really important that uh, there is consent and use of data, uh, especially when it comes to somebody's livelihood. And speaking of livelihood, Google has just said that they're going to uh, remove about 7,800 jobs that are they're going to be replaced with AI. Now, I, um, <laughs> I have my strong opinions on both topics of both uh, IBM and uh, AI replacing jobs, but I'll only talk into the AI replacing jobs one. This is the real risk here. And uh, I'll give you a little backstory for me. So. Uh, during COVID, I was at Wayfair and um, heavily involved in the supply chain logistics space. And what I witnessed was a complete failure of the fundamental bedrock that actually builds our society. Like the, the reason that I can be sitting here talking to you about this and I can be working on these technology startups and being involved in all these uh, highly removed from the needs of my life uh, things is because I have a way of making a living that allows me to consider higher order objectives. And I just mean that for like higher order abstractions from my you know, basic needs. And there are other people that are getting compensated for their ability to provide those needs, whether it's the form of, uh, you know, building a house or uh, growing food or transporting it or, you know, all the different pieces of the supply chain that go together. And when that falls apart, when that supply chain and the ability for us to not have to worry about growing our own food and all that falls apart, then society falls apart. And it was it was that uh, that disruption to the supply chain that showed me how fragile our society really is. Because if we lose the ability to um, make a living in any form, our ability to feel safe goes away and our uh, willingness to do things that make others less safe goes up. So the loss of jobs related to AI is, is a big dangerous prospect to our civilization. And I think that it's not t being taken as seriously yet as it really needs to be. Uh, now, it, right now it's starting with a lot of the knowledge worker roles and that, that's an odd one. I, I would have thought, you know, with any automation, it was kind of going down the path of uh, low skilled and working its way up the, uh, the, the need of training and knowledge and all that. Um, it was working its way up that. But the generative AI models have actually jumped in. Sorry, I just keep calling them generative AI models. The AI models have jumped into uh, the top of that. In fact, they're they're at the highest order of abstraction away from the basic needs, and it's attacking the places of the highest uh, knowledge needs: uh, doctors and lawyers, accountants, uh, software engineers. That's the level that we're hitting now. Artists are, you know, directly being impacted by the uh, stable diffusion, Dolly, Leonardo AI, and all the other, you know, generative models that are out there. And that, for me, is where it, it was it was striking because the the progress of the last couple centuries has been more and more automation, eliminating the jobs that you know really weren't a good fit for humans anyway because. We're not good at repetitive tasks. We're not, you know, we get bored and boredom causes injury and bad things happen. So a lot of the, the repetitive task things were easy to automate early and we did. You know, early factories were people sitting there and putting widgets together and doing a single function and that was replaced with a machine. 
and still there were humans involved because humans had to operate the machines and the later robots came in and you know displaced a lot of those not saying every factory is fully automated most aren't but the possibilities there and a lot of jobs were taken away with that but it did you know it created new roles that required a more um human-like need or human-like capabilities knowledge learning uh, problem solving those became the jobs that uh, were implicitly human well this new technology has kind of inverted that it's starting at the top and doing the things that personally i always thought of as wholly human uh, our ability to problem solve our ability to creative think our ability to uh, do many things at once and and though the current models aren't able to do many things at once there are there are other technologies that can stitch it together and allow you to actually do that mentioned like baby AGI and, and uh, I think there's another one called simple AGI or something like that but uh, there are tools that are getting us there and it's going to disrupt jobs that were extraordinarily lucrative for the last you know uh, decade at least and uh, what's that going to do to our society uh, not good things is all I keep thinking but uh, IBM made an announcement and I, I don't think that they're either the first or the last on that front. I actually think it's going to be a trend. Now, they're mostly talking about non-software um, non development jobs, which isn't a surprise. I think that there's actually been a far greater demand for people that can write code and think intelligently than, their, um, than the available supply. And that's actually caused a, a different problem, which is there's been like, crazy wage inflation and uh, people getting promoted and getting uh, titles that they weren't really capable of doing. That's created different sets of problems. And so companies have gotten bloated in their hiring for those needs. And uh, that's largely because it's full of people that don't know really, really know what they're doing. And this will maybe fix part of that. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's complex and it has to do with support roles and all that and totally worth another topic. I might cover it in a different podcast on a different topic. But uh, there are some other really good things uh, going on with uh, medical imaging and how it's getting better at uh, doing like breast cancer exams and things like that. But I think the, the big headlines were the risks are becoming a little bit more apparent, and, but there's some positive on that too in that, you know, mentioning the GDPR uh, compliance that uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI are doing. But my, my take on it is always to, Every time there's a negative, um, I also try to find something that that like an opportunity that that negative created, and that's actually the the main thing I want to talk about for the next five or so minutes. So all of these things are occurring, and it's disruptive, and it's creating all these new problems. Like a bunch of software engineers maybe are going to be on the market now from uh, IBM and other employers, and what does that do? Well, it could create another exciting innovation cycle where you have all this latent uh, talent that's desirous of trying to like figure out how to survive, and so they're they're hungry and they're creating new things in a way to you know create the next big thing because that's how they're going to live. Um, that can have a positive effect. You know, some of the best innovation times come during uh, down economies, like I. A terrible depression or a major recession isn't barely, isn't usually good, but a lot of positive innovation can come out of it. And I, I think that one of the mistakes that a lot of people um, that I've been around at least have made in the last couple innovation cycles, not as big as I think this one is, but is that they they focused on the wrong things. 
Um, I think it's important to have a thesis on what has fundamentally changed and how that's going to impact the world around you and then like how you can have a strategy to go forward in it. And uh, I, for the longest time, I, I had a couple that I applied to different spaces, but they were all very similar. The first was um, the history of technology in as it relates to the internet has been one of knowing me to serve me better. Uh, early on, there was only so many websites, you kind of knew them all, so therefore it was all in your own mind. But pretty rapidly, there was so much content being created in so many different places you could go that it was impossible to know. So the search engines rose as a way of like helping you find what you were looking for. And the one that really won was Google because it did a great job of understanding both contextually what you were looking for because it understood your browsing history um, and content wise what was being provided and being able to stitch those things together and say, ah, you're looking for this type of thing and this is the best example of that. Social media was kind of the same thing in that it was teaching or sharing information with you based on the interests of the people around you, your friends and family, right? Uh, the e-commerce largely been recommendation engines, advertising, knowing me better to show me better ads. It's all been a trend of that. And I think that that led to the second thing, which was the eventual end of e-commerce or the eventual direction of e-commerce is a singularity like event, which is custom for you and instantaneous in delivery, you know, um, you're going to go and design a shoe on an app and pick it up in a store immediately. Or it's going to be delivered or printed off a machine sitting in your office. You get the point. That's the eventual goal there. And so all innovation that fed either one of those two things, I backed in one form or another. Like I'd get involved in the company, maybe I'd invest in it, etc. But the point being, like I had a thesis and it, and it largely played out. I wasn't always right. I made some bad bets. Everybody does. Um, but the thesis kind of held out. Now, what I, what I think is coming now is very, very similar, but I, I, I'm taking a slightly different approach to it. I think that knowing me to serve me better is true of the consumer side, maybe even the business side. But the thing that people have missed in the past is they would often apply what had changed to what was. They said, oh, I'm going to change, fundamentally change the advertising industry um, because this new thing allows advertising to be done in this new way. Rather than what they should do, and AI is going to force this, is question the value of advertising, for example, in the first place. What problem is it solving? Now, our, I can tell you the answer to that, at least this is my, my contention. Advertising is allowing a creator to make something in the form of content and get paid for it in a, in a way that doesn't re require the consumer of it to give money immediately to it, unlike a subscription, which would do the opposite. And it was a response to newspapers no longer being the dominant paradigm where money was being made off the sale of the newspaper and advertising was kind of a bonus. Um, online advertising was kind of it just a fix to a problem in a, in a weird sort of way. But what is, happens to advertising when there isn't a website that you're going to, when content is coming out of an interaction with a non-human intelligence? How does content providers and creators, how do they get compensated? It's these types of questions that if you can solve that problem, you're not solving the advertising problem, you're, you're solving the underlying value of it. And that's how you have to approach it going forward. And if you've got a story, if you've got an idea around something on how you're going to solve an underlying problem in a new way because of this new technology, 
uh, I want to hear it. And I think you should, you should reach out to me. Um, we'll have you on the podcast. It'd be lovely. And the easiest way to do that is hammer, just like the tool, H-A-M-M-E-R, at techtastic.tech. Um, and uh, look forward to that future conversation should it occur. And I hope you subscribe to the podcast. So see you next time.